You are listening to a True North Eager Beaver media podcast. The True North Eager Beaver podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, your source for science fiction, fantasy, and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters. CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum, and the Peppermaster, hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. Welcome to episode number 11 of Just a Nibble, the Not Quite Daily Beaver. For those moments when you still want your beaver grizzly goodness, but just don't have the time for a whole spooktacular bite. <laughs> Today, recording day is Halloween, Moon Day, October 31st, 2022. And it's going to be a beautiful day here at the Beaver Lodge. But the trick-or-treaters this evening might be having a trick played on them and getting soggy candy as some rain is expected this evening. I'm your host, the Eager Boover. Pronouns he, him, hey, Mr. Boover, eh? And we have a monster of a show for you today. I'm going to get you, my kitties, and your little dog, too. <laughs> of course, a big thank you goes to our podcast's rounding sponsors, the Pepper Monster. The Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Full Moon Publishing and Canadian TarotDeathCard.com. <laughs> ah, in today's news, we are going to talk about the economy. Woohoo, that's a scary thing. Ah, but before we do, we must say hello to our show's spectacular and fabulous sidekick, Mr. Werewolf. <laughs> Good morning, Mr. Werewolf. Oh. Good morning, Mr. Boover. Boover? <laughs> the eager Boover. <laughs> that's different. I, that was unexpected. I, I, I was not expecting that this morning, but that's, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. You, you had a very sort of uh, um, Albanian, Serbian, Romanian slant on that. It was very, very good. Very good, sir. Well, I live with a Romanian, you know. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, on our first trip to, well, first and only trip to Romania so far together, he actually took me to Transylvania. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> ah, good morning, all you beautiful kitties. Good morning, Kit Leanne. Good morning, Kit Pastigabe. Good morning, Kit Ashley. It's always lovely to see you here. And good morning to our kits who are joining us either live or who will be listening to us a little later on. Um. Mr. Grizzly, uh, today is the last day of Mental Health Awareness Month, so how's your mental health today? 
Other than the fact that I didn't get much sleep last night, pretty good, uh, surprisingly. Even despite the uh, the um, uh, shitstorm of hate, uh, of Russian hate bots that have been raining down upon my head on the Twitter, I don't let any of it bother me or get to me at all. I, I literally laugh at all of them. Every now and then I'll get mad and I'll tell them to uh, blow me, but uh, um, in, in a graphic way, which, you know, it's probably yes. not recommended, but, yes. you know... We all we all have our our um, a point that we get pushed past from time to time, right? Uh, I had one to yesterday uh, talking about inflation or something like that, and said, you know, somebody showed a graph of like a chart of inflation. You know, Turkey had eighty five percent and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Canada was mm-hmm. near on it. Canada's incredible, ah, terrible inflation and all that kind of stuff. And it says, you know, but if you do it, if if you do it on a per capita basis, you know, like this, it's much worse here since our population is so low. And it's like, um, inflation per capita is not a thing. It's not not a thing. <laughs> it's like, not a thing. Says, I didn't say inflation per capita is a thing. It says it's like, <laughs> well, like if you're telling us to, if you calculate it per capita and if canadians did the math and you're telling us that it's a thing i didn't say it's a thing okay you didn't literally quote say inflation per capita is a thing Uh, but like why else would you ask people to do the math and oh i forgot you lip yeah 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 that's that's their go-to all the time like this or take everything so literally and it's like well then tell us genius yes please please inform me show show us the math since you seem to know so much more about us and then there was uh accused of barking uh and then there was another insult and then said inflation's so high because of our moron pm and i'm saying okay so the leaders of turkey and the uk and all these other countries so that means they're actually bigger morons than our prime minister because (laughs) it's like uh you know, it's like inflation rate in Turkey is 85%. There's 84 million, 85, 84%. There's 84 million people there. So if there was 100 million people in Turkey, that would mean that inflation would be not as bad. Yeah, yeah would, the inflation would be the same. It would just, in fact, impact 15 million more people. You, you know, it's, 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 just, went away. it's this conservative, uh, well, it, let me rephrase that. Let me take that word out of there. That word doesn't belong there. It is this uh, um, self-aggrandizing, a hate-filled echo chamber that continues to spew forth absolute garbage and drivel and fantasy fiction shit that isn't real, that people believe on a daily basis. I actually had a guy earlier today, or last night, I guess it was, try and tell me. <laughs> Listen, oh, this is hilarious. This is. He went on about how, um, yes, um, uh, okay, here, this, this guy, I, I'm just calling him Sergey. Uh, I said, uh, he, he went on about this rant about how um, when you live a life of utter privilege as an Ottawa freeloader, you eventually lose the ability to handle even the slightest hardship. Ottawa is like a city full of Paris Hiltons. <laughs> like, they're, then, ta- they're talking about themselves. The people who can't handle hardship are the people that came from all exactly. over to try and overthrow the government because like the rest of the nation, weren't able to handle the fact or self-regulate enough to deal with the fact that they had to miss a funeral or a birthday party or couldn't take a vacation or, you know, could travel from B.C. to Alberta, but not from B.C. to Washington to state. Yeah, well, and again, they blame the prime minister because they can't travel into another country. How, how, 
how does he control the border of the United States of America and what, what criteria you need to cross into that country? That's right, he doesn't. Yeah, and, 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 and no like, matter what you say, these people just don't want to believe in reality. The guy went on to say, when the West finally walks away from this farce of a country and you parasites have to fend for yourselves, we'll see who's soft. You won't make it through one winter. It brings a smile to my face just thinking about it. And then Dean replied with, you know there are 15 million people in Ontario, right? <laughs> this guy's like, 15 million parasites doesn't make for a sustainable economy. I'm like, okay, Sergey, it's getting chilly in Moscow. It's 5.30 a.m. there. You should shower and go to work soon. Oh, wait, this is your job. You're a pathetic micropene troll. Yeah, we see who you are. But 4 million people in Alberta who have had a provincial sales tax subsidized by 34 other million people will be able to go it on their own. Exactly. They're a sustainable country. Yeah. yeah. That's, this, this is, again, this fantasy world echo chamber they live in. They could not survive on their own. They couldn't. It's like, it's the, like and I'm sitting there like this, they're, they're talking about, they're starting to talk about Keystone again, right? And mm-hmm. It's like, same thing with the travel border. It's like, okay, Canada has been a country for about 155 years. When? Pick like one moment, any time in 155 years where a Canadian prime minister has had power, that much power sway over the president of the United States. It's like, uh, no, you're actually going to put Keystone in place. Uh, no, you're actually going to let us come into your country. And yeah. that has worked. Yeah. I, I, just, I just we're the mouth sharing a bed with an elephant. I just I just don't get people sometimes, man. Uh, well, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like there, there there's a degree of zero self awareness, and to me, it's like yes, there's probably again, like we said on the show, there's got to be a minuscule percentage of these people that are really are that deluded who believe mm-hmm. this type of stuff. But all of these people have to be cray for pay. They have to be. They have there to be. cannot be that many people who are just that ignorant or that detached from reality. I certainly don't think so. Not be able to understand that. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think I think as a as a nation, you know, we've often said we're we're very much a center centrist nation. We're either a little left or a little right, but as a nation overall, radically reasonable. Yes, peace, order, and good government. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god lay off the happy pills people well not the happy pills i mean it's the opposite of happy pills i don't know what it is it's like they take pills for extra miserableism or something because somebody urinated on somebody's cornflakes is all i think you know it's like every time i see a tweet like that it's like i mean well, all i hear is what you really must understand about me is that i'm a deeply unhappy person mm-hmm well, and a lot of them, I respond to them like that. It's like, do you have no love in your life? You should seek therapy. You, like, really, therapy and medication have done wonders for me. I'm a much better person and always trying to get better at it. I'm going to have rough days, but therapy and medication will help you a lot. Or at least, you know, read from a credible source and get out of your echo chamber, man. Yeah, like, and particularly... This Brett Wilson guy who clearly has oh, made it his job, right? It's like, and I was like, how many times do I have to write him? It's like, dude, does seriously anybody in your life not love you enough to get you the help you need? Yeah, Theo, Theo Fleury, Jamie Soleil, and, and Brett Wilson—they all they need help. I mean, I sincerely mean that they need help. Uh, th- their mental health is in a very fragile state, and and quite frankly. My, my, my big concern is that they're going to 
contribute to pushing somebody over the edge and doing what just happened to Nancy Pelosi's husband the other day, right? You're going exactly where I thought you, yeah, I'm thinking the same thing, right? And now it's like they can't even tolerate that, right? Now it's like, like I'm not even going to go it, but it's like, why was that guy in Pelosi's home at that hour of the night, you know, and assuming that there was some type yeah. of... Yeah. Mm, uh, not clandestine, but let's say nighttime relationship mm-hmm. going on between the two. Uh, it's just, uh, and you know, that um, I just, I heard on the news um, earlier, uh, I think it was on Power Politics about four or five days ago. I'm a little behind in my podcast, but I was listening to it. Apparently the RCMP protection unit uh, has said that of the 315 positions that they have to protect parliamentary officials, uh, 75 of the positions currently are unfilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and they're they're deeply concerned because they realize that the radicalization of fellow citizens has pushed people to a breaking point with artificial information. I don't know what else to say. It's just they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're eating up the bullshit, believing it, and they're radicalized, and now they're starting to do things to harm each other. And that just uh, has me deeply concerned. So we need to start investing more money in basic civics, number one, and uh, mental health, yep. number two. We need to, we need to start investing yeah. quickly. Or just yeah. make it rain Thorazine, <laughs> which is an antipsychotic drug. Cl- clopromazine? It's rain Thorazine. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, and that's not the first time it's happened to, to, to Pelosi, too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. January 6th, right? They're walking through going, where's Nancy? Oh, yeah. Apparently, that's where that's what they were saying. The guy that was there was saying, guy who happens to be Canadian-born, by the yeah. way, and had a healthy uh, diet of rebel news uh, among other outlets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back in 2021 as well, the, her house was vandalized. Their house, I should say, was vandalized and they left a pig's head. Yeah. Well, somebody somebody said something yesterday that I thought was very interesting. And I'm like, huh. They said, if you've ever noticed um, sites like Rebel, like uh, Fox, Breitbart, etc etc they don't have a paywall for any of their stuff the illegitimate new news in air quotes sources do not have a paywall and yet all the legit the new york times the washington post the toronto star the globe and mail blah 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 all have a paywall the national post doesn't have a paywall the ottawa sun the sun chain doesn't have a paywall oh no 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 they want everybody to read that stuff Right? So it's, it's like they, they just want to spread their BS as far and wide as possible because... Oh, yeah. For them, there's more money in it by not having a pay, paywall. That's right. They make more money this way because they attract more clicks, more eyeballs, more views, more advertising dollars. And, and they don't care about anybody but money. Mm-hmm. Now... As we, uh, we haven't said it in the show for a while, uh, but we have said it in the show before. If you're paying attention, uh, close attention, uh, truth, fairness, equality, decency, love is slowly breaking out all around the world. Um, we have some good news from Brazil. Yes. Mr. Wesley, if you put it up. Here we go. 
Look at that. The Trump of the tropics is gone. It's, it's, that's a yeah, narrow that's, margin, but a margin nonetheless. He did win yeah. by almost 2 million votes. Yep. Yep. That's very happy. So, uh, yes, Luis Inacio Lula da Silva, who I believe was a former president uh, of Brazil mm-hmm. and uh, got caught up in some corruption charges or something like that. Apparently he's back and Bolsonaro is gone. And apparently prior to uh, the vote being announced, Bolsonaro, as opposed to Ronald Rump, mm-hmm. roast, um, did say that he would respect the decision and ensure a peaceful transfer of power. We'll see if that maintains now that he actually has lost. <laughs> well, and I love uh, I love the headline on NBC News: Bolsonaro loses to leftist Lula in tight Brazilian election. Right? <laughs> is that nice? And then yeah, then with yep. So narrowly beats Jair Bolsonaro. Lula da Silva will return to Brazil's presidency. Scroll back up um, for a sec, though. Let's take a look at those numbers. What is the current population of Brazil? I think it's about 181 million. And which would make, uh, let's see, 214. Yeah, that's bigger than I thought. Now, here's the question. Uh, how many of that population are, are eligible voting age, right? Right. So if you extrapolate that and then you take that, they said, what, 5 million votes were, were null or void? Uh, so you've got about 130 million, uh, like pretty decent turnout. Uh, let's see. Uh, hmm, I'll have to scroll the article a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, turnout is. Well, um, I'll let you. I'll let but, you pull uh, through that. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess. I, I, yeah, I um, I um, just saw that actually. I, I had forgotten to, to to even think about that. And as I was logging in, when I uh, saw the thing on the Twitter, it's like, oh yeah, this <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but either either way, I'm saying it's a really good voter turnout. I think by the by the looks of the numbers, again, 214 million people. I'm not sure how many are eligible voting age. Um, we could get those numbers. We'll see if we can find them. But I, it looks like a fairly decent turnout because you've got about what 130 million votes cast. Uh, 60 plus 58. Yeah, close to 120. Yeah, five oh, yeah, five million five now. Million. 125 million yeah yeah so there you go so 125 million so you know you have to calculate how many are voting age how many are are um uh, capable of getting to a poll to vote that is another issue right and we've talked about that recently with the possibility of online voting which i know we're, we're still kind of on the fence about but for you know folks who are are uh physically challenged um require uh you know, a mobility aid of some type or somebody who is agoraphobic or perhaps somebody who has COVID, you don't want to go stand in a line. There we go. I found it. Uh, for the first round, because there were a f- certain number of candidates in the first round, um, there we go. Show the, uh, yes, this, uh, this uh, board. There we go. Uh, that was the, the whole first round uh, right here. Uh, all that you see here, uh, all these little percentages. And then they have a runoff, right? See, the mm-hmm. Silva got 48.43 and Yair Bolsonaro got 43.2. And you have to get 50% to not have right. a runoff. So, I mean, De Silva pretty much almost won it on the first wow. go-around. 
And uh, but it, you know he missed it by what one point five seven percent the fifty percent so well five five eight if you need like plus point one zero one uh, so they had another runoff and then you know the Silva won that as well uh, although more of the uh, votes for the other parties did go for Bolsonaro he closed the gap more in the second round uh, but voter turnout in the first round was 79.05 and second round 79.42 so actually slightly more people came out the second time that's great almost 80 percent voter turnout way to go brazil yeah. way to go brazil yep. now we should try and emulate that yeah try well, we had 43 percent in the province of ontario and in, in in ottawa's municipal election we had 44 which was the highest in the country which is still pathetically low when you consider a municipal election is the one that affects your life the most right exactly. plow your streets pick up your garbage fix your sidewalks pave your roads fix your sewer and water that's all municipal yep and 44 yep. percent i know sad it's it it's is sad. it is and and you know who will be complaining the loudest right yes <laughs> but the ones who didn't vote it it's proof that once again people with the fullest bellies mm-hmm. cry starvation the most yes it's true right i'm just yeah we have every advantage and no reason not to go agreed because, and not enough people just care i mean i i can't I, I guess i can't assume that not enough people just care there must be a certain huge share of those people that either assume that well you know things are pretty good here so no matter who wins we'll be all right mm-hmm. therefore it doesn't really matter they don't care one way or they don't care enough one way or another that it's one or the other they'll be fine either way um that could be it too mm-hmm. uh I guess we have the luxury of that as well, being so well fed. But you should go. You should go. I mean, it's like like in Canada, we have like two things, two or three things that we must do fill in the census, report for jury duty when we're called, like this. And the third one should be vote. Look at uh, Elaine just put this up. Widzer had a thirty-one or thirty-two percent turnout. Like, yeah, and they and they had like a bridge blocked at some point. Yeah, yeah like and another and really by tourism because of COVID and whatnot. You know, you'd think now the mayor Del uh, Mayor Delkins was reelected there, uh, but you know, just I do not understand not voting. I don't understand uh, it either. I just anyway, don't. It's, it's like I've. I, I've never missed one opportunity since I've been of legal no, me, me neither. I've, I've voted in every single election uh, I've ever been eligible to vote in since I was 18 and I'm 54, so do the, do the math, you know. Federal, provincial, and municipal, I vote in all of them. Uh, and again, we will always encourage people to vote. We're not going to tell you who to vote for. That's your decision. Please make it an informed decision. Uh, vote with your heart and your mind. Um, but, but vote. Just, just vote. <laughs> like, I don't know what yeah. else to say. Yeah. I mean, no, it's very important. And, you know, the other thing that uh, we like to say on this or, you know, that I say often on the show is, you know, first, 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 yeah, democracy is something you do, first of all. Yes, it's not a spectator sport. But uh, if you, um, we'll put this one up, right? Um 
Bill Rice on Twitter said, what's your favorite pre- picture of Prime Minister Tristan Trudeau? This is mine. It speaks deeply to the type of leader he is. And it was the one where he's in a metro station in Montreal uh, the day after he won, I believe, his first election. In 2015, yeah. He went to, in 2015, because he went to a metro station to congratulate people. And he's helping someone riding, uh, someone in a wheelchair, down, not down the escalator, because the escalator is beside it. That's a stairwell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess, and he's he's actually holding the bottom of the wheelchair. I guess helping someone bring that person down the stairs, and I keep on saying, first vote, first, 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 always vote for someone who genuinely likes the people they seek to serve. That, that does then make a difference on policy, mm-hmm. because if you listen to the conservatives about the way they talk about their fellow Canadians. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Uh, they don't. They don't like. They generally have contempt for at least two thirds of the population. I love Ashley's comment here. I voted the day I graduated from college. I went in my damn grad dress. There's no excuse not to go. You're absolutely exactly. right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Talking uh, about our, the subject that I highlighted for today, which is uh, stuff having to do with the economy, because uh, there's been a lot going on. Uh, first of all, uh, we've had um, inflation numbers come in, and uh, even though food inflation um, is still going up, unfortunately, mm-hmm. we're now at 11.4% year over year. And of course, you know those are the same factors as always, uh, the price of gas, because we've had OPEC decide that they're going to cut production, which means that the price of gas has gone up. Uh, the war in Ukraine is still going on, uh, and Russia has decided that it is now pulling out of the agreement uh, that it had set up uh, for grain to be shipped oh, um, out. Yeah, yeah, that that lasted for about like a month and a half or something. Uh, and uh, well, climate change is still happening, so there are still droughts and floods and. Oh, and yeah, and, and I read a headline earlier about climate change and how it is deeply affecting the perfume industry in France, where uh, oh, yeah. two of the biggest manufacturers uh, gather their flowers to create their perfumes. They're finding a shortage because of climate change, and as a result, we might all smell a little less better in the future. Climate change is real, <laughs> folks, and, and when you've got companies, um, big companies that are... are, are, are saying, uh, you know, we're, we're on the brink, we're on the edge of, of losing our entire industry in the next dozen years or so if we don't make radical changes right away. These, these are companies that are, are only interested in money. So now they're trying to help mitigate climate change because it's affecting their bottom line, which is the whole point of the carbon tax and i say tax in air quotes because it's not a tax it's a regulatory fee the whole point of it is to get people to change their ways that's the idea behind it change your ways so you can save for the future and the u.s military has been for well over a decade in all its reports saying that the greatest threat to national security in the united states is climate change yeah they actually are like producing they're they're about to i've listened on another channel bow of the fifth column they're about to unveil a tank like one of these huge massive tanks that is going to be running on zero carbon oh really wow yeah 
Yes. And because of that, they think like the auto industry, you know, all these people that are buying the Humvees and all that type mm-hmm. of stuff, all these guys go, that's, they're saying, I will never buy an electric car. Well, that's probably what's going to spur them to do that because, well, you know, they want, they like to cosplay military. So if the military's gone green, well, I'm an alpha male, manly man, big macho yeah. dude. I need my big truck that is run on a battery. Really? <laughs> yeah. Guess what? It's the future. The future is electrified. And Air Canada apparently just bought a small fleet, uh, small fleet of some electric electric planes yeah. that only do like about two hundred kilometers, but they're good for like you know the puddle jumper yeah. type flights. It, it's just like for like Montreal to Ottawa sort of thing. That's what they're designed for: is short community hops, like uh, yeah. uh, commute commuter planes, right? Yes. So I mean, it's happening, right? Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, and then the Bank of Canada uh, raised uh, its uh, prime uh, range. Uh, raised its rates uh, by another half percent. Uh, a three quarters was expected. Some people are interpreting this as a sign that we may be close uh, to uh, the rate hikes uh, stopping. Uh, but uh, the governor of the Bank of Canada, Tiff Macklin, says that there are still going to be some increases. Uh, they might be more in the range of 50 or maybe even 25 basis points uh, for the upcoming ones. Uh, he didn't say that. That's speculation. Uh, but we might be getting close to the end because we're now at uh, the the Bank of Canada usually likes to have a rate of around like in the 3%, 3.5% so that there's room to cut if there is a recession because, you know, we were at 025 at one point, right? Had we had a recession during the pandemic, we would have had negative, right, interest rates at some point. Like when, when, like at the time where there was no place to store the oil anymore and Alberta oil was like selling at minus $37 a barrel because they needed people to take it off their hands because it was still being pumped, but there was nowhere to store it. Mm-hmm. So they were paying people to store it. <laughs> so you have to understand, like during the pan- during the course of the pandemic, just like the oil went like from minus thirty seven dollars US a barrel to a hundred and something a barrel. That big of a swing. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's huge. Within the space of about a year and a half or two years, right? So I mean, the economy is really, really, really going all over the place. And despite all of that, the Canadian economy, according to Statistics Canada, grew zero point one percent in August. So. People are complaining, but people are still spending. Cute, right? <laughs> so the Bank of Canada has to make more cuts because like, they're trying, they don't want to cause a recession, but they're trying to cool the economy. Now, 0.1% is a cool economy. Mm. This, but, like this, but everybody was saying, oh, yeah, we're like, we must be already be in recession now. Well, no, not yet, because technically it's two consecutive quarters of negative growth, and that still has not yet happened. Uh, but, you know, about 0.1% is pretty much as cool as you can get without being in recession. So. I would think so, yeah. yeah. So that's why people are thinking that maybe this is uh, coming to an end. Um, now, uh, there are two big events economically that are coming up. Uh, one is that uh, Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance, Christian Freeland, will be delivering a fall economic update relatively soon. I think it's scheduled for this week. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not sure. Like, this, like I said, I'm a little behind in the podcast. So, you know, when they say next week or in two weeks, I have to like remember to backdate. <laughs> it's not from today. Uh, and apparently this week, uh, there will be a federal provincial territorial meeting uh, between the ministers of health and our minister of health. Uh, and on that one, 
the provincial territorial ministers are asking want $28 billion for health. So on one side, you have the federal conservatives that are basically yelling. And Skippy had another one of his tweets again saying cut taxes and cap spending. Apparently that's his solution. Uh, cut taxes and cap spending. Not realizing that cutting taxes is spending. Yeah. Yeah. People don't think of it that way, right? But it is. It's like oh, if yeah. you're cutting taxes, the government is taking in less money and leaving more money in people's hands, which can then go into the economy and be spent and fuel inflation. Right? Yeah. So he's literally sucking and blowing at the same time. And while the federal conservatives are saying to cut spending, the provincial first ministers, uh, seven of ten of which <laughs> I think are conservative, <laughs> or eight of, I can't, I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, they're, they want the government to come up with $28 billion more per year in health spending, which will fuel inflation. Oh, yeah. Now, now we need, of course, to spend the money, spend money on health care. That's not the point. The point is, is that you can't be asking for more money, more money on health care and then being mad that money is being spent on inflation, that inflation is rising. I mean, you can't. <laughs> I know. Like, you, can't, you can't be mad. You can't say you don't want the consequences of the solution, like this, but give us the solution anyway, or oppose every solution, and then complain that nothing's being done to fix it. Like, you have to pick one, right? Pick a lane. Uh, pick a lane. Right? right. Now, of course... And then the federal, uh, the provincial territorial premiers, even though apparently they have no money to hire nurses or fund health care, um, well, in Saskatchewan and Quebec, they, mm-hmm. had they had enough money to give people $500 checks for just being able to fill out an income tax return. Uh, Quebec has had the money to do that twice. Um, so uh, I don't know why they're crying poverty there. You can't be giving money away and then saying, oh, my God, we're poor. Uh, Alberta still is not breaking itself to uh, put some type of provincial sales tax. Uh, so they've got taxation margin, but they'd rather have get a handout. Uh, again, not Albertans, but the Alberta government. The government, right, right. The people and the government, because they're the ones feeding the people the mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, mythology is a very powerful drug. Very powerful, yes, it powerful is. Drug. And and it's it's, uh, it's sad that that folks are getting roped into believing this line of garbage. I don't know what else. Yep. I'm I'm, yep. I'm trying to avoid expletives this morning. I'm trying. Yes. Trying. And then the premiers apparently have enough money for an ad campaign to try and humiliate the government or embarrass them into giving them the money in which they say that the federal government has walked away from the 50-50 promise and all that kind of stuff. But that's not exactly true because, yes, while the share of federal funding still does need to be higher, uh, what these ads don't mention is that the provinces did agree to some of this by trading some of that 50-50 for tax points. So the provincial governments get to tax you on more things that the federal government used to take. So federal government has decided not to take in that money and leave it to the provinces, but the provinces have decided not to spend that ad money that they've gotten from the tax points on health care. They decided to spend that on other priorities instead. So same thing again. So it's basically the Alberta PST dynamic, but with another thing, give us money for give us more power to tax, which we do, but we're not going to spend that on healthcare. We're going to spend on other things and we're still going to come to the federal government and say, give us money for healthcare because we don't have it. So, well, we just gave you the tax points. Yeah, but we had other priorities for that. 
But what other priorities? Because your number two priority, your two top priorities as a premier constitutionally are health and education. You're supposed to spend on that first and then on everything else. Exactly. But they get my money up for windfalls and then they spend it for developers and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. and then they say, oh, look, we're starving for health care and education. Help us. So it's one of those biggest grifts in Canadian history, and it's been lasting for a very, very long time. A very and long time. Other, yeah. And then the other thing is that uh, the premiers apparently don't really want to meet with the Minister of Health. They want to meet one-on-one with the Prime Minister, of course, the better to embarrass him. Uh, and the Prime Minister says, well, okay, well then, like, tell us what all, all your demands are and come to the table with them, but the premiers won't do that. So there's a stalemate. They won't come up with a plan to present to the federal government with what they want to do with the $28 billion they're asking for. So basically, give us a blank check. And then we'll do... We'll, and we'll, the Prime we'll, Minister does not want to do that. We'll spend it as we see fit. Kind of like how you know Dougie took care of us during the pandemic with... Oh, wait. How many billions are missing again? Again, you're going exactly to where I'm going next. So, uh, again, the sucking and blowing, right? It's like... Give us a blank check, and we will not guarantee you that we'll spend it on healthcare, even though we're asking to spend it on healthcare. That's what PP's friends in the provinces are saying. And then PP, as soon as the government would cut that check, would go, oh, my God, look at you being irresponsible again. Right? It's a setup. <laughs> it's a total setup. And you had Dan Milton, Dan Moulton of Crestview Strategies say on Power and Politics the other day, and I really, really liked this what he said because it's really bang on it says yes it's about outcomes but it's also about ensuring that if the provinces are given 25 billion dollars from the feds to improve healthcare outcomes they aren't cutting 25 billion dollars from their own budgets that's one of the key challenges at hand here that the feds have been asking for a commitment on because we saw it happen during the pandemic we saw covid relief funds offset provincial spending it simply wasn't matched so if you're giving a dollar to the provinces and you're saying match it so that we can make healthcare better in the country because Canadians expect shorter wait times, they expect more family doctors, you've got to match it. Mm-hmm. You can't just take that dollar and run with it and not spend a dollar of your own. It would be fair for the prime minister to show up at a meeting with the premiers and say, this is what I'm demanding. These are the commitments that we need to see from you in order to see a requisite increase in funding. And even Corey tonight. Even Corey Tanaik, <laughs> who is like Prime Minister Harper's guy, right? He's the one that tried to get Sun Media started, right? Mm-hmm. Sun TV stations, Sun News. He even said, it's unrealistic to think that there won't be strings attached. I recall Prime Minister Harper trying to settle the fiscal imbalance, giving a bunch of money to the provinces ostensibly for healthcare and other things, and then Shah Charest going out and giving it all away in a tax cut the next day. So no one's going to allow that to happen twice. No. The premier said they want no strings attached. I want a magic unicorn as a pet. <laughs> but the case that the premiers are making around additional funding being required is important. And I think that it's reasonable to say there's strings attached, but not if it's additional new programs. So his thing is like, for example, uh, the child care program and the dental program says, okay, well, the federal money government's putting some money in for that, but we want you to start a new program. And it's like, no. He's saying, give the money for healthcare and ask the provinces to match it, but don't ask them to start doing new things with it, which is not an unreasonable point of view. Like when you're saying what, what, a, what a good counter argument could be from the other side, mm-hmm. that could be one. 
like this that could be one that's reasonable. There, there's a case to be made for that that doesn't involve going off to La La Land. That doesn't mean that you don't need dental and you don't need pharmacare. But it's like, don't say this money is for health, the healthcare pressures that are there now, but ask them to spend it on something new that is not a pressure now. Right. That's not an unfair counterposition. That's an actual reasonable, progressive, conservative yeah. <laughs> counterposition. Mm -hmm. Something that we haven't had for a long time in this country. A very long time. At least, yeah. what, 15 years? If not yeah. longer? If not longer. Uh, now, I don't know if this was, um, how I put it, a slip of the tongue, uh, but uh, the person on the panel that was from the NDP kept on referring to interest rate hikes from the Bank of Canada as inflation hikes. So I don't know if those are that that was fun for fun with words or just a just a, a lapse. Sometimes that happens in an interview. Uh, I noticed in a, we're not going to go into too much into his testimony today, but the chief uh, slowly was after, often saying February 2013 instead of January 2013 in his testimony and had to be corrected like once or twice. 2013. Uh, tw yeah, sorry, not, not 2013. That's, 2022. That was, myself, no, 2022. Yeah. So that was mine. Oh, I slipped like that. So, you know, it does happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but... Uh, so, so the, the Bank of Canada rate was the sixth successive rate since March. Well, here, check this out. This is the list of uh, witnesses to appear at uh, Polk yeah, this week. Yeah, this week. Yeah, this week it's going to get very, very interesting. Just a little sidebar there. Uh, Chief Peter Slowly today will finally be cross-examined on mm -hmm. the stuff that he said. And there was a lot of covering his ass on that one. Like I said, oh, we yeah. won't go too deep because we don't have the time today because uh, we're talking about other economic stuff. But... Uh, he too was sucking and blowing. Let's just put it that way. Mm -hmm. But then we have Chris Barber, Bridget Belton, Steve Charland, Keith Wilson, Tom Raza. Oh, that's going to be fun. <laughs> He's going to, uh, that cross-examination is going to be great. Pat Rat Kingfucker, Benjamin Ditcher, James Bowder, Latamara Leach, who apparently has been there every, well, she said she was going to be there mm -hmm. at the beginning. I'm not sure if that's the case every single day, but since she can't be there without the company of a lawyer, who's paying for that lawyer to be sitting with her full time every day? PBCC, maybe? Where's she getting that money? Uh, Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, probably. And Daniel Bulford. Anyway, so yeah, this is, um, this is the, like we had the police people, well, you know, like this all doing Operation Cover Your Ass, like we mm -hmm. talked about in our private show, and maybe some people tuned out during that part. Uh, but this is the part that you're going to bring the popcorn and 3D glasses for. Oh, yeah. It's going to be interesting. And the it, tub of soda so big <clears throat> that you can slip laps in? Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a blood sport. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Oh, man. Um, and um, so... Uh, the conservatives did support uh, the doubling of the GST uh, for 11 million families in the House of Commons mm -hmm. in that vote, uh, but they did vote against the dental care and I believe the rental supports as well. Uh, uh, the, the parliamentary budget officer recently released a report saying that there was $114 billion in pandemic spending uh, and uh, that $48.5 billion of that was actually temporary. Uh, spending. So the rest was spending that became um, program spending that was, uh, I guess, repeated year after year. Uh, the Conservative Party is torquing that to say that that money was not spent on the pandemic. 
Mm. Uh, that's being too cute by half uh, because the reality is that because they're saying all that money, that particular money is the one that's fueling the incredible inflation rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to understand that the inflation rate, I think, reached about a high, I think it was of 7.7% or maybe like close to 8% at one point. And we're now down to 69 um, uh, And uh, that inflation, as we mentioned, is higher in many other countries. And many of those countries didn't have the supports that we had. So... Yes, while $48.5 billion was maybe spent on extraordinary one-time supports, the rest of that $114 billion was money that was spent to keep us out of a recession during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And it's money that kept us in a good economic position once we exited the, in, the worst of the initial phase of the pandemic. When everybody was right. sent home from work. Right. So, for example, if you remember when we had the economic crash in uh, 2008, uh, mm-hmm. 2000, yeah, when Stephen Harper was in, uh, was in uh, office, uh, he started to pull back on the supports too early and ended up causing a second short recession, only about six months, but near the end of his term, right around the time of the election that he lost. Um, everybody was saying, don't pull it back right now, and he did, and apparently the alleged trained economist sent us into a second recession because, you know, he was promising the money up front, I guess, so he got all the credit for making the announcements, but then he secretly went to all the departments and said, uh, don't spend that money. Yes. So he created a deficit in government spending, which then created the need for Prime Minister Trudeau in the first five years to spend more money, to take on those that little bit of deficitory spending that the conservatives are now blaming, saying that that money of five years ago is causing the inflation now, too, which is not true, because he had to fill in the gaps that Stephen Harper just let accumulate. Right. So there's been a lot of cleaning up the mess that the last conservative government left. Um, so, uh, but basically, the conservatives are calling to do the same. We're calling to do the same thing that they did was to cut some program spending before it was time, and thus send us into another recession. Mm-hmm. So um, that money uh, had the left when we emerged from the worst of the first part of the pandemic. We were growing economically instead, and we have a lower deficit as a result. Now the liberals are doing something interesting. If you, Christopher Freeland has been sending the message over the past few weeks that she seems to be going a little back, a little maybe pulling a little more from the Paul Martin Christian area when they were being a little more uh, fiscally responsible, I guess. Sure. You would say with spending. So she's actually sent uh, the message out to the departments. Um, you know, it's like, if you want me to spend on something new, this you have to find 25% of that the cost of that from your existing budget. So you have to stop, find 25% savings in your departments like this if you want to start any new initiatives Mm -hmm. for me to fund that. And don't come to me with more than five per department because I won't consider them. So they are of the shopping list. So she's starting to gradually set the tone because one of the things that Paul Martin and Jean Chrétien did very well because nobody likes austerity was they really educated the public and made the case for it 
Oh, so yes. that when the cuts had to come, that the Canadian public was all on board. So she seems to be starting to doing doing that, uh, which uh, will probably give Skippy fits because that's his whole shtick. And she's basically <laughs> coming out from under him to undercut that. Um, which is great. It's great. I can watch him squirm. <laughs> right. So, so while the Conservatives are still saying, well, the Bank of Canada is trying to put out the fire the government lit, Right. When they're told which pandemic programs they would not have supported, well, they say, oh, no, no, no. Well, we supported the extraordinary spending because, you know, that was the right thing to do. I guess, well, then what would have you have cut? Would you have done nothing to stop us from going into recession during the pandemic? That's what they got to offer. Right. And then, you know, and they say, well, the, 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 governor, the governor of the Bank of Canada said that most of the inflation now is coming from domestic spending uh, rather than uh, the world events. And then uh, Vashi Capellos, who a lot of people have some issues with, but she turned around and said, uh, I'm not sure I heard the exact same thing. I would respectfully challenge you that I just spoke with the former governor of the Bank of Canada, David Dodge, who indicated that when I asked this question to him, that yes, it contributed to Canada, the additional spending that they're complaining about, avoiding recession during the pandemic. He certainly did not single out the government for saying, hey, you way overspended and caused all this inflation. And then the guy said, oh, I believe I heard him say it helped prevent a recession, but it's also leading to the inflationary environment that we have today. More backspinning. <laughs> More backspinning. So, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, now, one of the problems that we do have, however, is because... Uh, so many people were supported. The EI fund is actually in deficit at the moment. Yeah. And here's and here's something, right? One of the ways that we balance the budget in the Chrétien Martin era is by taking the surplus from the EI and then applying it to the debt. Because everybody was saying, oh my God, well, we have $48 billion. We're never going to use all of that. Things will not... Something like a pandemic that happens once every is the reason why you build up a huge fund again. surplus in the EI because you never know when a huge, huge crisis is going to fit. So we depleted that. Uh, and if uh, you will, Mr. Grizzly, put this one up. Uh, if you look, and this is from Employment and Social Development Canada, so this is the actual government uh, uh, information. If you see for 2021 here, there was a cumulative deficit at the end of the year in the EI fund of $25 billion let's say $900 million. Mm -hmm. And then in 2022, that went up to $27 billion, $250 million. And now if you see in 2023, the premium rate for people is planned to go up 0.05%. And the one for employers is going to go up 0.07%. That's the amount that the conservatives are crying about. When they were saying cut taxes, help employers, this and increases. If you see that 2021 increases in the premium rates were frozen during the worst of the pandemic for everyone. So the conservatives are saying, well, employers need some extra help, but they so they want extra help for employers, but they don't want extra help for you. Yeah, no, it doesn't. The employees screw them; they don't matter. So your supports needed to be pulled back sooner. Mm -hmm. They're arguing, but oh yeah, keep. Keep the rates frozen for employers, though. They need a little extra. They need the help, not you. They. Oh, well, and I never liked that that Gretchen did that by you know, let's pay down the deficit with the EI uh, surplus. No. I, I thought that was a terrible move. Terrible move. 
and, and and Harper did the same. Yeah, it's like guys, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. That's not how you do it, man. Like you're paying your visa with your Mastercard. Not a good idea. <laughs> right. So the and and Pierre Paul is saying that this zero point zero seven percent is what's going to save the economy from six point nine percent inflation, eleven point four percent. He's got nothing for you. He's got nothing for you, and he's not proposing any solutions. He never like will. Cap government spending, this, stop tax increases, what he's calling tax increases, and probably give a tax cut to the rich, because that's the other thing that conservatives are saying. They're saying, like, well, you know, not everybody has kids, so child care and dental care won't help anybody. You need broad-based tax relief. Well, broad-based tax relief costs a lot of money and contributes to inflation. You ask it's anybody and blowing they want broad pikes tax relief for people that already have houses and cars how's Not that helping you or i right the people who are voting for conservatives voting against their own best interest as always because they're not well-informed, which is the whole point of this program, is to try and inform people so they can make an informed decision when they go to the ballot box right so we've got a lot of work to do Got a, a lot of work lot to do. Work. <laughs> Educate yourself. Do your own research. Yeah, we'll yeah. We'll, we'll help you out. We'll uh, we'll give you the facts, the straight goods, and a lot of them, as we've said in the past, will not necessarily fall in line with our ideologies. But we're going to tell you the truth. No, because I mean, if we were having an ideology, we'd say like, like, well, yeah, like borrow the money that it takes, like you know, accumulate some deficits like this, and help the people that need to help now. But like. Just look at my personal situation, mm -hmm. right? Um, I'm not starving. Mm -hmm. I'm not starving, right? Um, we bought a house last year. Yeah. Yes, we're doing some renovations that are taking forever. But uh, my mortgage since March has gone up about $330 per month. That's a lot over the course of... Uh uh, well, a year, but I mean, the lifetime. So that's about like three thousand. It's about three thousand seven hundred dollars a year extra. That's the amount I contribute to my RSP. Right. Every year, that's my RSP contribution. So I cannot contribute to my RSP this mm -hmm. year, like this, and basically end up even to maintain the lifestyle that I had before Bank of Canada interest rates started going up. Right. Yes, and I still won't be starving. But I'm robbing my future. Hi. So if right, I guess who's if I want the government, I guess to give me a three hundred and thirty-eight dollar a month income tax refund or income tax break to keep me whole. That's about how much I pay in income tax every year. Mm -hmm. So the government's supposed to take in no income tax at all? Yeah. To me. yeah. That's the broad-based ta broad tax relief that conservatives are asking for. I guess if no, you, can forget about, you can forget about the social safety net. You can forget about health care. You can forget about uh, damn near everything. That they're, right. so They eliminate taxes, and you, you lose all services, basically. So, so even if it's half that, mm -hmm. let's say 1,700, right? 1,900, 1,700. It's like, how much is that, right? 
so when they're talking about Broadbeck's tax relief, how much is it going to be really like $50 per person, $100 per person sprinkled through everybody who pays income tax? Because it's not going to make a difference mm -hmm. significant in anybody's life. Yes. But it's going to cost the treasury. Oh, how yeah. much? And hobble. So they don't want, they don't want to replenish the EI fund. This, they don't want employers to contribute more to your pension. They don't want you, if you have children, to have child care. They don't want you, if you have children, to have dental care. But they want to give broad-based tax relief to everyone. In a little trickle-down, little tiny amount. This, and cut carbon taxes, which have contributed 0.4% to the mm -hmm. total inflation rate, according to the Bank of Canada, I guess, and cut the premiums that are not even one-tenth of a percent. Well, you know his, his game. It's like he'll find something and hammer the hell out of it and continue to hammer the hell out of it forever, like 30-year-olds living in their parents' basements. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's just, it's not, it just doesn't make sense. The whole conservative theory is complete garbage kits. Yeah, well, it's the reformers to begin with, right? It's not actual, yes. it's not progressive and it's not conservative, it's just reformers. Yeah. And when they say, well, we're social conservatives, well, what the hell is that? Yeah, really. Mr. Grizzly, I think we have a show. We or do Mr. indeed. Will, yeah. I think we have a show. <laughs> <laughs> well, kids, that's the end of this episode of Just a Nibble. I want to suck your blood. Oh, the Not Quite Daily Boover podcast. We hope you loved listening to us because we loved making this spooky for you. If you have time, please listen to our back episodes, including our cost of living episode. If you want to know more about what the federal government is helping to do to help you afford the cost of living or dying. <laughs> and because the democracy is something you boo. Please do the neighborly thing and donate to Red Cross to help with Hurricane Fiona disaster relief. Even though the funds are not being matched anymore, people still need your help. And of course, if you can donate to Cornerstone Housing for Women, that would be very appreciated. Ah, yes. Ah, it's so wonderful. If you want to communicate with us, you can do so via email by truenorthigorbeaver at gmail.com. You can subscribe, then we will come right to you in the early hours of the morning at podpage.com slash the true north eager beaver with a hyphen between each of those words and if you really like this podcast and wish to encourage us to do more to bring the news to you then go to our coffee page ko-fi.com eager boover <laughs> and donate to our tip jar and of course Seasonal Halloween teas, probably your last day to get them. I don't know if we're going to be taking them off. <laughs> ah, we'll leave them up. We'll leave them up. <laughs> but, you know, if you don't want to be wearing white after Halloween or and Labor Day at the same time, 
<laughs> but if you do, we have five other designs for you. Our rainbow shirt and different logos. And of course, Mr. Werewolf Civic Tees. <laughs> uh, we have you covered in sizes from small to 3XL. So go to deanblundell.square.site slash s slash shop to get yourself some fabulous <laughs> today. I put it in the chat. Yes. From the Boover Lodge, this is your eager Boover saying, until next time, dear kids, it can be a spooky world out there. So be kind too and gentle with yourself. Mr. Werewolf, do you have words of wisdom? Yeah. Careful where you get your candy today, people. Um, according mm. to uh, conservatives, it's going to be rainbow fentanyl, which isn't a thing and it doesn't exist. Did I really say that? Oh, yeah. There's r- reports. Oh, rainbow fentanyl. The drug dealers are... No, uh, drug dealers are in the business of, of making money. They don't give out drugs like candy on Halloween, okay? I don't know how many times I have to say this. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. <sighs> Yeah. Lord help us. All right, Mr. Grizzly, rule the credits. <laughs> the True North Eager Beaver podcast is an Eager Beaver Mr. Grizzly collaboration. Research, story, and guest curation and copywritten by the Eager Beaver. Recording, production, editing, and additional research by Mr. Grizzly. Music courtesy of Ben Sound Royalty Free Music. Once again, thank you to our founding sponsors, the Peppermaster, the Miss Fee Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing and CanadianTarot.com. And thank you to Pete Jarvis for our artwork. We love it. Kits, we'll talk to you real soon. Bye. Take care. Have fun, kids. Thank you for joining us and have a great Halloween. You are listening to a True North Eager Beaver media podcast. The True North Eager Beaver podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing your source for science fiction, fantasy, and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters. CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum. And the Peppermaster, hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.